for offline. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. The Pat and AJ Podcast. Well, because they got great banter. They jib-jab. Jib-jab, jib-jab, jib-jab. Pat and AJ. I feel like the conversation we've been having in the last five minutes is a lot more interesting than the shit they're talking about on the radio. Just moronic commentary and stupid sound effects, and it's just dumb. It doesn't make any sense. It's the Pat and AJ Podcast. We just realized that we have a ghost in the house. We have a ghost in the house. A A smoking ghost. A smoking ghost. It was really strange. Yesterday, I walked in the house through the front door, and I smelled cigarette smoke. Like, old cigarette smoke. Not fresh. Old. Say, everyone's immediately going to point to the former smoker in the house and say, he he slipped up. No. He slipped up. He's doing it again. I know you're not smoking. Nah. Um, and it was something I noticed the first day I got to our new house in Arizona. The guy who used to live here. Was a smoker. Was a smoker. And yep. he, he very much, you could tell, smoked indoors. He was a single dude, he sure. He was a single dude. So, like, in the garage, there were, like, by the, the garbage can, there were cigarette butts. And there was just the faintest, like, waft of cigarette smoke in the house. And I haven't smelled it since that day that I walked in the front door. And just the last two days, I've smelled it, like, two or three times now. But it's right by the front door, and it's not all the time. I promise you it's not me. Uh, I know. I have no doubt that it's not And you. I know I've said that before when I was lying I, to you, and it was me. It's so but funny. But I promise you it's not it's me this It's so time. funny you say that because... Uh, <laughs> And we'll get into this, but I just had a girl's Ugh. night out with one of my best friends, and yeah. we were in the car talking. Both of our husbands, you included, have quit smoking. Sure. And she told me about how she caught him cheating oh, on yeah. on the smoking, and I told her about how I caught you cheating, which is we took two separate cars to... Ty yeah. Kitty. We took two separate cars to an event, and I pulled up alongside Pat, and he was smoking out the window. And like, it was just so funny, because there was no way he could hide it, so he just looked at me holding the cigarette like, yeah. What was harder to catch me doing, cheating on you or smoking, when I said I wasn't smoking? Oh, the smoking one. See, I knew you were smoking. I just had to catch you. You Then again, I knew you were cheating, too. I just had to catch you. See, she's good at catching people. I've said all women should be, you know, they're talking about how, like, Dog the Bounty Hunter is running around the country looking for that Brian Laundry guy. You need a bunch of women to do this, Oh, yeah, I'll find him. Get Dog out of the way. Dog ain't finding nobody. Last I heard, Dog is on Twitter asking other people, like, hey, have you seen this guy? (laughs) Pat did say that one of these days, uh, he's now comfortable enough with it that I can share with you how I caught him cheating. One of these days. One of these days. Today not today. is not that day. Today no, is not but day. it was funny that we just had that conversation in the car about our husbands quitting smoking. So, yeah, I don't know. We got a smoking ghost in the house. Not me. We can uh, ask um, Demi Lovato to come check it out for us. I started watching the new Demi Lovato show. It's about aliens, and there's ghosts in there involved too. And I, mean, I was—is it—is it good? It's—I don't know. I was—I uh, was really kind of uh, exhausted last night and anxious, and uh, just wanted to watch something of no, of, of no Mind, consequence, mindless. Yeah, and that I sounds said, about right. And I said, you know, I feel like Demi Lovato going on a quest to find the aliens is mindless enough for me to tune out to. So I was watching that. So that's what I did uh, last night as AJ went out, girls' night. Um, she went to a concert. I did. Which I know. We had to check her to make sure she didn't have a fever, a flu, COVID, something, because we're like, you must not be right in the mind if you're going to a concert on your own. You know what? If this whole podcast is you giving me shit for going to a concert. No, but hold on. You there are There are stacks of tapes of you professing all the time about how Concerts aren't your thing. I go by myself. Pat goes. To, in fact, there's a quote from the other day. It just turned. I forgot how old, but you called um, one of my concerts 
You said, of all the shows you've gone to alone, this one sounds the most uninteresting. Really? And which one was that? That was Brian Wilson doing Pet Sounds at oh, the yeah. Fox Theater in Detroit. Still does sound uninteresting. See, look at it right there. So, but what I'm saying is it's not, it, listen, I'm breaking your balls, but it's it's because it's in character. I know. Like, if you were going to break my balls about being messy, I wouldn't be like, hey, I've gotten a little okay. bit cleaner. No, I, I, take, so, I would take the ball break. I'm not a huge fan of concerts. Yes. I, a lot of the times I think it's just the crowd that it makes me anxious. Yeah. Um, but yes, there are artists I want to see, and Alanis Morissette was going on tour, and once again, just like the New Kids and all of those groups of our childhood, shows, right? it's the reunion show, Jagged Little Pill, and I said, you know, I didn't have the money to see her when she was a big deal, like in 96, because I was... 14. Wasn't, wasn't going to get my parents to let me go to a concert yet. So was this delayed? Was she part of like uh, the year of delays? Was this tour supposed to happen before? I have no idea. Look at that. That's how much. She's like, no clue. I don't know. My friend wanted to go, so we went. Well, no. I, I'm the one who actually <laughs> suggested it because we were supposed to go to something. And then right. I, she wanted to take you to something else. Yeah, and I had to work, so we had to put the kibosh on that, and then this came up, and it, I'm like, okay, that's a Sunday night. I think we can swing that, and yeah, I, I forgot. I t- a total ass. Her birthday is today the day this podcast is coming out so i'm like oh sweet this will be a little birthday weekend thing for her Um, that who would have guessed when this whole thing started when the world went sideways um that if you had to take a even money bet on who was going to go to a concert first after the pandemic how many of you would have chosen aj and you would have would have won your money right there but nobody would have done it. Nobody would have done it. They all would have bet me and you would have lost because I haven't yeah. gone to one show yet. No, but you're itching. It's coming. I'm old. Yeah, now I am, especially because they're all coming around the area. I like was... I said, it's 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 concert season here in the Southwest. So now is when all the shows start to come through because they're done with the Midwest and the East Coast and all that. I was starting to get nervous because there are, like Garth Brooks canceled his stadium tours. There are artists canceling their first round of post-COVID tours because um, yeah, I think of the Delta variant. But I do, and I say this loosely with like no knowledge, I think we are rounding a corner maybe a little bit. Well, we're down trans. I mean, we're down like, you know, what is it? New cases and yeah. deaths and all that stuff. So I know I think it's just different tours have different standards. And I think the ones that kind of maybe took um, a lot of uh, precautions, you saw the fruits of those labors and they were yeah. able to to keep going and some folks had to call it off. But I don't think this tour was super long either because no. Shirley Manson from Garbage was talking about it. And uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think this is a real long tour because they're done with it. After I don't think you week. can do long tours. I mean, no. I was just looking now at because um, well, and they're not doing like European legs because. Of, yeah. See, you don't have the, yeah. the, the, the inner. No one's doing international and so that's already off the board you're gonna because so now you have different almost um standards state by state so that's gonna almost so i can see where they're gonna do a minimum uh, amount of dates probably you know who else is doing that casey musgraves casey musgraves announced like her big tour for the big album and she's doing like 13 or 14 dates yeah like it's no like we're not seeing these 40 50 date tours six month long tours yeah where where you do all the big cities first and then you do another yeah. round where you go to the smaller towns you end up in fucking north dakota or something yeah this was the end of the jagged little pill um this the reunion they, show. well it's yeah because they're at the hollywood bowl this week and yeah. shirley manson from garbage was like yeah we 
most of us live in LA. So That's this, the end. So we basically the just end. made a big circle. <laughs> the end of the yellow brick road. You get to LA and you just yeah. go home. But it was really cool. It was cool to see, you know, garbage because I was a fan of them when I was a teenager. Yeah. I was a huge fan of one of the first albums I ever bought with babysitting money was Jagged Little Pill. I was talking so to that. that was uh, very exciting. I was, I was telling AJ why garbage has been so in my mind. Uh, the drummer of garbage, Butch Vig. Uh, not only is it a Madison band, it's from Madison, Wisconsin, but but the but sure the Shirley's lead singer from, yeah. is Scottish. Um, but Butch Vig has been all in the news lately because he was the executive producer and kind of the mastermind behind Nirvana's Nevermind, which just hit a big same thing, you know, yes. thirty year anniversary. And he's been doing press because obviously, you know, only th- only four people were there when that album was made. One of the four is gone. So you have the two guys that were in the band plus the producer. And he's, you know, also known as the drummer in Garbage. And he talked- I was mistaken, by the way. Yeah. Um, Shirley is not married to him. She's married to the guitarist. Okay. So, yeah, but but Butch Vig very much talked about how he was able to create a band like Garbage because he created it was like his his brainchild because of the successes that he had with Nirvana. Sure. And so like they'd been in my mind and then all of a sudden you were like, oh, yeah, Garbage is opening. I'm like, oh, shit, man. And And it was so funny that you said that because when we sat down, my friend Jenny said, her husband, JJ, uh, he's in the Air Force, and right mm-hmm. now he's stationed in Nevada until early next year. And she said, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if JJ would be jealous of me going to this. And he said, well, I'd love to see garbage. And I'm like, that's what my husband If said. they wouldn't have, and the same thing my uh, best friend said. Um, and they but, played for a solid yeah. hour. Like, it wasn't the opener that just blows by. It was a whole show. Before she was replaced, the pre-opening act was Liz Fair. Yes. And me and all my friends, Liz Fair is, I mean, she's a, a Chicago native, so we were kind of hip to her before everyone else. And she's so awesome to so many of us. Um, that we were a lot of my friends were like, oh shit, like we didn't have a lot of Alanis love, but we're like, man, yeah. garbage with Liz Fair, but they bombed out Liz Fair. Who was the uh, pre opener then? Cat Power yeah. and Garbage. Um, and now because AJ went to that show, she comes back and she tells me, she's like, hey, do you know that like uh, Willie Nelson's going to be there in a couple weeks? I go, Willie, son of a bitch. I've still never seen Willie Nelson. I've tried to see Willie Nelson. It's not a couple of weeks. It's next week. And, it's, uh, it's coming up. They're, they're, you I think can, I might go to that show. Well, and I, I can tell that they're, I wouldn't say they're having trouble selling tickets. I think a lot of tickets are not getting sold till last minute. Because, I looked at the seating chart uh, on Ticketmaster.com for that yeah. show. Oh, they're having trouble selling tickets. Trust me, they're having trouble. And I don't know how fast. Like, I don't think Atlantis sold out in like a few minutes. But it, Atlantis didn't sell out a, sell out at all. You said right? No, I don't know what yeah. I'm saying. But you is, know, visually, if a show is sold, visually out. it looked sold out, but it didn't really get crowded till after eight, which is interesting because she was supposed to go on at eight and garbage played later than that. Okay. So I was like, I don't know if people just waited, waited to the last minute to buy tickets because they didn't know if it was going to get canceled. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I looked, uh, the Willie show is technically the outlaw music festival that he kind of takes on the road with rotating acts and stuff. And Fuck, I went on the ticket. I mean, one thing, $25 for like GA lawn seats, which I think is ridiculous. The lawn seats there are really good. That's ridiculously low. But um, when I went on the map, there were, yeah, there were a lot of open spots and, you know. By the way, we have to, and I, I say this collectively, even though I am very confident and I can say this, 
I have been nice to customer service people. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time I went off on a customer service person. Yes. But uh, two of the employees, it's called the Akchin Pavilion, not Ak, it's Akchin. They're a tribe here in Arizona. But two of the employees at the Akchin Pavilion thanked me for not yelling at them. Jesus Christ. And they What were, the fuck is wrong with us? I wasn't I was in the wrong line to to get my bag checked and mm-hmm. so I had to move to a line oh. that I, and she she uh, she opened like the gate for me. I'm like, "Thanks." She goes, "Thanks for not yelling at us." I'm like, "Oh my god." Like, that's so awful that that's how terrible people are being to these employees. Like, knock it the hell off, everybody. Well, You are not better than these people. You need to chill out. Speaking of being terrible to each other, uh, let's get to the point to why we're here recording today. By the way, coming up, we'll talk about the new Sopranos movie. But first, we can't talk about how the world froze for six hours. Holy fuck, Facebook went down, and it was the finest hour. I'm so sad that it's back. I wish it was permanently crashed and hacked. Well, it was pretty, uh, (sighs) pretty poignant as to... When it went down, uh-huh. this wasn't just, this was not random at all. Wasn't it actually right in the middle of their, one of their chief officers, not Zuckerberg, but one of them was on CNBC yes, doing, doing the defense, yeah. doing the defense on all the shit that's coming out. And literally in the middle of his big defensive play, their entire fucking platform goes down. And when I mean platform, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram yep. and, and, and WhatsApp. And it was glorious. I loved it. Um, I, I, I was very you, sad when it came back. Did you see what Twitter tweeted? <laughs> That's just funny to say. Uh, they said, hey, literally everyone, because everybody was on Twitter. Actually, Facebook went on Twitter and they tweeted <laughs> right? that Facebook is now. It was pretty crazy. So let's kind of hold on, but let's let's figure out this kind of like couple week lead up to this yeah. moment. Do I need to Google this or have you been keeping up with I've it? I've been keeping up with okay. it through, throughout the day and we're not getting any clear answers as of recording of time. So we'll find out more. But, you know, Facebook has been a problematic little monkey in our society since it came around. And I've even seen one argument as to how it may be harmful. It could be considered as harmful and should be um, warned about like tobacco. That's unbelievable. That that they think it should come with warnings, at least where you're informed. Yeah. That using this product can be adverse to your health. Now, that was one of the biggest news we found out that Facebook, um, which of course in the biggest corporate move of if you can't beat them, buy them uh, with their little sister company, Instagram. Yeah. Buried their own research that proved the platform is dangerous and harmful to children's health, specifically young women. Yes. And I don't think any of us needed a fucking no. study to, to, to say this. But that's the part that just kills me is that they didn't. They knew it too. They knew it, and they just didn't say anything. Well, listen, that's like fuck. Come on, that's I everybody. Know. That's I know. everyone. But you're not. You're not going to tell everyone. You're not going to like. You know, a sociopath's not going to be like, "Hi, my listen, name's Jim. I'm, I'm a sociopath." Again, I'm fucking old enough to remember when we, when tobacco was still being debated, and when you legitimately had CEOs of cigarette companies on Capitol Hill, yeah, with their hand on a Bible. Swearing to you, to the best of my knowledge, this stuff doesn't it does not cause cancer. Yeah. They were they were pushing that hard. Right. Like I mean, so this is so what I'm saying is people can be you can be lodged in your own truth, your own reality. So right? what's what's the deal with the insurrection? Because I missed that whole thing. So well, I want to cover the first thing first. Okay. I don't want to jump ahead. Well, right? I, and I didn't know that was jumping ahead. So okay. Yeah, don't don't jump ahead. So I, first, I didn't know. first we have Kind of the news that comes out, stuff we all already probably figured out, that Instagram is literally harmful to young women's mental health. 
It is damaging to their mental health. Can I say that again? Damaging. Think about all the shit that you try to protect your kids from, and in in this case, we'll go specifically to young women, right? To young girls. All the things out there that you're trying to protect them from. I bet you there's a lot of other things that you put above that app yeah. that you think of as harmful or potentially dangerous to your your young uh Young girl. A statistic came out over the weekend that said, and this is upsetting, and now I'm like very aware of it, that adults open their, and this is adults, so think about kids, or it's probably even worse. Adults check their phones mm-hmm. 96 times a day. And let's be honest, most of that is probably for social media for most people. So think about that. Like you and and it's it's so mindless scrolling. If I can get into a real quick example of um, since I work in behavioral health, of basically the same way it works, the same as gambling and drinking and drugs, right? So let's say you're AJ. You wake up today. You're not feeling good about yourself. Uh, you post a picture on Instagram. Ding 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 ding. Phone buzzes. You open it. Shot of dopamine to your brain. You become validated. I am someone. Yeah. Which then causes you to do what? Do it again. You got to do it again. And again. And again. Because you have to get that validation, right? And so it's, it's, it's the exact yeah. same. If you look at it as the exact same manner of any other harmful Addiction, yeah. behavior, right? It, I mean, it really is a negative. And how many of us say that social media in general, but I'll just use Facebook and Instagram, we say it's bad for us. Yeah, we know it. We know it as we're doing it. And how many of us open that motherfucker up anyways? All the time. I said that. I even tweeted about, I. that was the fuck. That's terrible now that I think about it. I opened, I wanted to share a picture on the Pat and AJ Facebook so mm-hmm. bad because it was so funny. And I opened the app like five or six times and refreshed it absolutely knowing the platform was down. I was waiting for our son at the orthodontist, and I, I, I caught myself doing it. And then I tweeted. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe how many times I've mindlessly opened the app knowing it's not working. Now, I want you to go ahead and think back to when, and we talked about this early in the podcast. Think of back to all those times you talked to me about smoking. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. And let's think about how you were like, it's easy. You put it down. No, I don't do that. That's not fair. I never said it was easy. I didn't. I am being very nice to you, and I will allow you to keep your memory of that. Okay. You never said those things. Wow. Okay. I can only tell you my experience, my memories, was that in the early phases of our relationship, it was very much kind of perceived from my standpoint of, I don't understand why you can't just stop doing this. And I think anyone who's dealt with anyone in their life, whether it's smoking, drinking, drugs, cheating, I don't care what it is, you've probably looked at them and said something to the same effect of, yeah. I don't get why you just can't stop this. And I'm sure I did. I, I know right. I never said it was easy, but I also, and I, I know this, if you don't understand the addiction, how are you going to understand if it's easy to quit or not? So maybe now when you do something as, I mean, say that out loud. Yeah. You knew Facebook was down. And I kept reopening the app you to try and post it. Opened it and continually yeah. kept trying to see if it would work. Yeah. Folks, I'm telling you, if you've ever been someone to say, I don't understand addiction, I don't get it. I don't get That's it. That's addiction, yeah. You this is probably the closest I think you can come to to figuring it out. 
that look at how the world ceased to fucking operate for six hours today because, oh my God, this oh my thing God, wasn't here. Facebook's down. I even, and I saw people in the news world tweeting about it, how, you know, that the people in the news world do use their social media to get stories. Oh, they do it. It sucks now. Yeah, because uh, they're like, and, and, and like, they know it too. They're yeah. like, they, we know that this isn't the best place for I mean, stories, but now we can't even try to get listen, them. Listen, I know TV reporters out there who are making $27,000 a year in small towns, and it used to be if you were going to do a story about uh, getting bats out of your attic that you had to, you know, literally make phone calls and knock around on doors and say, hey, have you ever had bats in your attic? Yeah. Oh, you have? Would you mind going on camera to talk about it? Now all they've got to do is go on social media, look up bats in the attic, and it'll show you all the people who have Not, not even that. How many do you see a day, because we're friends with them, go on Facebook and literally say, Ask for it. have you had bats in your yeah. attic? If so, contact me for a story. Well, think about it. That We used to do that during the show. We used to ask a Facebook question right? and then read the responses on the air. So, Facebook's and Mark Zuckerberg's no good, terrible, horrible week started with the all the information about Instagram being bad for young women, and that was like a week ago. So and this again, is, this has started to mount. You know, not like not earth shattering fucking news. No, but, but you, then, no, the the earth shattering news is that they had a study and that they covered it up, and that they covered it up, and they absolutely acknowledged. Yeah. Yes, we know our platform's bad for teenage girls. Which, by the way, I can tell you something. This happens all the time with any company. I don't care what the fuck it is. They're shilling from a digital good to a pharmaceutical. If they do their own research. They omit research that doesn't promote the product. Yeah. That's just how it works. I mean, that that's literally marketing 101. You're, you're, you, they're under no obligation. Yeah. Right? They were hoping to maybe get different news so they could go out there and say, we've done studies and it shows that Instagram does not harm your mental health. Instead, they got the opposite. Yeah, so that happened first. Then we found out about a whistleblower who was going to go on 60 Minutes and essentially lay... Some of the um, blame for our civil unrest on Facebook relaxing uh, security policies. Now, this had already resulted, by the way, all these documents were leaked. And it had resulted in a great um, news series article. I believe it was in New York Times. I believe it was the Times. I may be wrong on that. But this was... The whistleblower now who released the documents officially sitting down with 60 minutes and giving a giving an interview. And in a nutshell, what she says is, is that she was part of a uh, civic integrity team that decided that their job was done on November the 5th. So the day after the election, they thought we're we're at, we're in the clear. So think about it. I mean, all this shit with Facebook and our democracy really started back in like 2015. Yeah, right. That's when all these troll farms around the world figured out how to whip up and really control the narrative in our country. Yeah, it's not hard. You know, they create fake accounts. Fake accounts share memes and everything else that speaks to the worst part of you. You then share this or you argue against it. Yeah. But and, regardless, you're interacting. And it's amplified. It's 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 interacting. 
now all of a sudden you hate your neighbor and yeah. your neighbor hates you. Well, they also, part of that was they did a study on, and this, you know, they're like, it wasn't really hard to figure out, but nobody really looks for this kind of stuff. They looked up, I think it was a hundred of the most popular, like Christian based Facebook pages that yeah. share like inspirational stuff. Sure. Yeah. And every once in a while they'll throw in something controversial, but yeah. like most people don't care. I think out of the hundred of them, they said 97 yeah. are controlled troll by farms. troll farms overseas. So they're like, you know, you're sharing this shit and this isn't from like a legit Christian family that loves God. It's from a troll farm that's trying to control the information that goes out there. So, you know, I feel like this, um, and, and I, I don't have the exacts in front of me about like when this civic integrity thing was all kind of made made to do and what exactly they did and all this shit. But I think we can all agree that since 2015, Facebook has adversely affected our democracy, yeah. um, our civility. Right? Oh, yeah, we're terrible. Right? People are terrible. So um, they have this nice little civic uh, integrity squad, and this team is, I assume, watching over these fake pages that are there just to inflame or over misinformation and all this shit. And basically, it's to keep everything on the up and up throughout the 2020 election, because the last thing Facebook wanted, because they did, for better or for worse, and I guess that depends who you voted for, um, Facebook in 2016 either you cheered or you kind of hated them for getting Donald Trump elected. Yeah. Right? Like, this is a format that, they're, they're like, a place that just seemed to really be where the town square of us talking turned out to be. Well, I think but just by that point, we were at, at a point as a society where I think the the most people at that time were on that that platform like we, had gotten, we just didn't have it for 08 no, and, we, and 2012 we had gotten you know back then it was still you know a lot for for college i wouldn't even say college kids but it was meant to connect you with college friends and yeah. family and now we have our friends and family everybody's on facebook and it's become a shit show so you have zuckerberg say all right people are a little upset at our company because they think that we somehow uh, fail to protect their democracy. So for this next election, leading up to it, boy, we're really going to keep our eye on the ball. No fake accounts, no this, no that, all this shit. And then immediately, it seems like as soon as we elected a new president and apparently the world didn't fucking blow up, they said, okay, everyone can go home. Because, you know, if I, if, if I can think back to like a year ago, remember when there were like protests and all the, the George Floyd stuff going on? And remember in Washington, D.C., they put up the, the fences yeah. around the White House, Around right? the White House, yeah. You know, the next day, once all those guys went home, you know they took those fences right down, right? Oh, no, they fucking kept them up for a while. Yeah. Because they said, man, we just had a situation. So maybe before we take down these fences, we should kind of make sure no one's going to be running back up. Facebook essentially does that exact same thing in reverse, where they have this big wall, they have people protecting and guarding. They finally give a shit. <laughs> and then the second they say, okay, okay, it's done. Yeah, fuck it, we're done. And within those two months, we know what happened. You had an outgoing president who to this day... Still is telling people he won the election. He tell, he he is lying about democracy, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know how else to put it to you. I don't know what, like... The, but, you know, the, the one man got more yeah. votes than the other man. That's the way it fucking works. You know, sometimes that's not even the way it works. No. Hell, I remember some elections where it wasn't that way. But regardless, it is what it is. You had these two months after this election 
where there is essentially no guardrails on Facebook. Yeah. So now you have people, half now who are upset, gathering in this place, and all those folks that we were keeping out because, you know, we knew that they're there just to do bad. Just to shake things up, yeah. Fuck it. We let them all in. Yeah, and then what happened? And we had ourselves a little goddamn insurrection. And basically, um, this whistleblower said, yeah, Facebook was part of that. I mean, I'm not, I don't think she's putting the blame. blame no, but she, I, I basically said like they didn't do anything to yes. prevent that information. She from said going that out. it was very much a during the election, we're going to do this only because the last time around because people we got caught. That's yeah, why, because the last time around we let people do whatever the fuck they wanted. And boy, that was bad, right? Uh, so this time we're not going to let people do whatever they want up until the day after the election. Then we're going to run away and say everything's fine. Now, listen, do I give a quarter of an inch to Zuckerberg on this? Yes, because who could have predicted in all the yeah. years of our democracy? Have we ever had anything like this? No, you've never had someone lose an election. Say I didn't lose. And then with a wink and a nod, kind of unleash his supporters. Yeah. It just never fucking happened. No. So I understand where they, maybe they thought, you know what? We did our job. We're good. But and, you th- well, and this is something I've said for years and whether you want to admit it or not, yeah. none of us pay for Facebook. Nah, we don't pay for Facebook. Have I paid for ads before for like my, my company and my dance school? Absolutely. Yeah. But overall, not one of us pays for this service. So it's really hard to complain that they're not taking care of us as a people. And the pay part is exactly what is kind of running all this. And this is what this whistleblower talked about in her CBS, you know, uh, in her 60 minutes interview right is that you don't pay for it they get paid through your engagement yeah so what's good for engagement controversy controversy you'll click on that you'll interact with it and that's what she kind of says about all these civic misinformation and i don't know if she's just talking election stuff or fucking vaccine stuff or coronavirus who knows everything but she said, yes, of course, they were leaving up things that were blatantly false and mistrue. Why? Because it drove interaction, and the interaction drives uh, the, revenue. the revenue of the company. So, yes, we're going to keep up stuff. It's bad for society, but it's good for our pocketbook. Trust me, we this, this whole thing applied to our radio career for its entirety. I mean, we were told... That you know you wanna you wanna create compelling content that will get people to engage with oh, us. We spend so much fucking time. Our I told our company and every company, broadcast company that I worked for once Facebook became a thing, I said, Can we please cut to the fucking chase and just buy ads? Can yeah. we pay Zuckerberg for being on his lawn? Because instead you have us trying to game the system where they're like, All right, guys, we need you to do design a post but it can't have any commas the no word, exclamation points. no exclamation no exclamation points the word zimbabwe or an emoji because <laughs> all of those things will suppress your reach on uh facebook you know why because facebook just wants you to fucking pay them they and Facebook's, then you can get yeah. all the reach you want and that's like we sat in so many meetings and just rolled our eyes and said why don't we and and it's not it's not unaffordable to pay for a Facebook ad once in a while. Yeah. So like if I can afford it, that big ass company I work for can afford it. But instead, they're like we they wanted to advertise their product on product on Facebook without yes. paying without for paying it. Without paying for it. So they're like we want everybody to see it. So share share share. But no, we're not going to pay a dime for it. But <sighs> here's and then they would blame it on us when it wouldn't get seen because right. you can see 
the metrics underneath it of how many people saw it. You need to learn it. how to write that. You need a better featured image. It's, Let me yeah. tell you, you need a better reach at that one. It, and they're like, it's all about algorithms. And I said, yeah, and we don't understand do you it. Know, we have literally zero control do, over the algorithms. Do you know how many six-figure uh, earning douchebags still work in the broadcasting business who get paid to go around and talk nonsense about Facebook? Yeah, tell people how, how to are, make a yeah, post that people there, will see. There are, the fucking, there are fucking people that get paid to fly around on a private jet, jet yeah. to go to small market to small market and tell someone that's earning 13 bucks an hour how to write a Facebook that post. will get that will fit you know into saying? the algorithm and get seen. so to what I'm saying is you are such a chump to Zuckerberg's champ we're all chumps absolutely bro he is running shit and I'm gonna tell you something and I thought about this the other day it's hard to bitch about it because it's it's free for everybody sure. it's hard and it is hard but eventually and this is the way I I, I compare it to um, it's kind of like a bar, right? And you, why are you, why are you going to the bar? Well, because everyone else is at the bar and you can do the same stuff at the bar somewhere else, but it's not as cool because you know, your friends are at that bar, but if you act a fool, well, that bar can throw you the fuck out Yeah, and you can be mad outside, but then you're all sad because all your friends are inside. All your friends are inside. Yeah. So you've got to make a choice. Do you want to go in the bar or do you want to find an, another one? And if you keep going to the bar, and fighting, and getting thrown out, and having a bad time, can I ask you a question? Why do you keep going to the bar? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, and I, I see, I have a couple of, I have a couple of friends who are like on this mission to get into Facebook jail for violating community standards, and they always get so mad about it. And I'm like, you, none of us myself included, are yes. really allowed to get mad about this because you again, don't pay, again. I don't pay, you got to play by their rules, and we, we are, and we keep doing it no matter how much shitty news comes Would out. Would that same person get pissed off if they're like, every time I go down to my neighborhood McDonald's, I order Egg McMuffin, and then I whip my dick out, and they tell me to leave, and they say I can't come back for 30 they days. it's against their community Those standards. Those motherfuckers say I can't, fine, fuck yeah. you. And then I come back in 30 days, and so I order this Egg McMuffin. And then I whip my dick out. And then out. I whip my dick out. And they said, I had to leave. Like, eventually, dude, you're the asshole. You have to eventually yeah. figure out either stop taking your dick out of your pants or stop going to the McDonald's. Well, and even in that analogy, like, you're paying for your food at the McDonald's. You're not with, even paying. With Facebook, you're not paying anything. You're not even paying. So think about that. That's how much of an asshole you are. Someone is throwing you out of a business that technically needs you there just to fuck off to make money. Exactly. They need you there just to fight with people and do all this shit. That's how awful people <sighs> are becoming on this. Oh, my God. Do you think it's like a, and, and I mean this honest to God serious. Do you think it's it, uh, like harmful just to yourself? Because I'll give you my opinion afterwards. Do you, do you, do you think it's harmful as, as like a substance could be in, yes. in your life? Absolutely. Me too. Uh-huh. It's a digital, there's, I have read so many articles about, like you said, the dopamine yeah. aspect of digital yeah. media and how it creates, like, you know, it creates excitement. It's just like a substance, but I, it's digital. It's like I stopped, you know, fucking drinking because drinking would trigger my, my essay, right? And, and I, I put that together. One plus one equals two. Yeah. And then for Facebook, for some reason you go to Facebook and you get pissed off and angry. And then what do you do? 
you go back. Yeah. And you go back. If if we were to put it into any other context, you would look at this like, well, you're stupid. You should why? stop you going back going to something. Back. Exactly. That and pisses you off, that aggravates you, yeah. that causes trouble, causes harm. You know what? I'll tell you that since we have gotten out of the traditional radio industry, yeah. um, my social media use has gone down dramatically. And sure. and the Pat and AJ page is a perfect example of that. Like yeah. and I, I don't feel like I have to keep people engaged all day. I don't feel I don't have See, to See that was the problem with your yeah. old job is that it was it was tied into it. And the, I mean and, we had one fucking yeah. awards for that stuff. So now it's so like So basically they were like whenever you're not on the air, you need to be on Facebook uh, looking for for stories, for articles, for good things to post that'll go viral. So it was all day all night and now like i i don't do that and it's yeah. actually really like i was at the concert last night and i truly only we took a picture and we were both like we're even reluctant to take a picture because people around us were taking like 17 of the oh, same picture and we just watched them and rolled our eyes yeah. we're like oh my god um but we took like two pictures and a couple videos of the songs and that was it and you know what we really freaking enjoyed ourselves yeah. it was nice <sighs> I don't know, and but he, I don't know what the answer is aside from us all dumping it. Is that what it is? And that's not going to happen. Not quite sure, at least on a business standpoint, because I even inquired about that a couple times when we were still employed. I said, "Hey, if I wanted to delete my Facebook profile, could I do it?" And they said, "Well, we have to have you have some kind of a profile because you because have to you be have an to admin access, on yeah. all, all of our other. You ones. have to access the radio Crazy. station's page and update uh, it. And and that literally came down to no, you cannot delete your Facebook and. Like, that was almost offensive. I was like, you're telling me that I have to stay on this social media networking site that it's literally driving me up a wall because you need me to post on the page. And, I mean, if you're someone who's like a, who's like a small business owner, yeah. it's, it's like you have to. Oh, you don't have money for like traditional marketing, so no. you have to be on every social media um, platform out there I, to uh, even try to make a dent. I have absolutely noticed that because um, I have for my media company, I have a Facebook, I have an Instagram, yeah. I have a website, I have a Twitter, and I'm I'm just exhausted of it. I don't post on a lot of them. I think I deleted the Instagram because I'm just like, <laughs> so I'm done. time for this shit and I'm over. And you know what? Honestly, if it's not driving up business, I don't care. Most of the time, it's not because it's everything is so oversaturated. There's too many people, too many fake pages, too many businesses. So I guess the story might have been about how Instagram is bad for young girls or the story might have been about how Facebook is indeed bad for democracy. Instead, the story is... Facebook went down for six hours. Do you hear how much uh, money uh, Mark Zuckerberg lost today? How much money did Mark Zuckerberg lose? And it probably won't make you feel better, but it gives me a little bit of a snicker. Uh, Seven billion dollars. Seven billion dollars. Now he has more money than. Are we at the fucking point where all this money in the world is just meaningless? Have we got to the point where there's people who hold so much currency that we can call it absurd? Yeah, it's absurd when we're talking about you know Billy. This guy loses seven billion dollars in six hours when most of us will never even see a million. Right, no. and he got fucking Congress talking about trillions of dollars. We're 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 at the point where this is all—it's all been fucking fictitious. Yeah, but it's really fictitious now. Well, it's like those movies where it's really insanity it's, at this point. It's interesting those movies where they talk about like like a bank robber coming in and they're like, "I want all the money," and they're all like, the money. "They're like that money doesn't exist in paper form here." Because you're right, money? it's all bullshit. It's all, it's, bullshit, it's all just floating out there. And you're right, he he lost. He lost seven billion. Seven I mean, if you you say somebody's worth $7 billion, oh my God. No, this guy has so much, he lost $7 billion today. I mean, that's... 
there's no reason for any one and person I want to have you that to think about, I want you to think about this. Every tap, every thumbs up, yep. every fuck you that you type to someone who didn't agree with your political view. Exactly. Every eat a dick that you wrote to someone that you didn't like during the pandemic because they didn't share your view. Every fuck off that you probably wrote to a nice little grandma who goes to church made him one of those billions. Look, I don't know who told you I had anything to do with the death of your father, but their information is faulty or they are deliberately not telling you the truth. Are you inferring that you didn't take cash from Jilly Ruffalo to whack my father while he was carrying a TV tray for me to watch TV? I don't know anybody named Ruffalo. You're being set up. He's lying to you, whoever he is. I think the biggest Easter egg, David Chase nutshot to all of us in the many saints of Newark is the fact that Maltesanti translates into many saints. That's, I can't believe we didn't know that. Exactly. I can't believe nobody exactly. like, said that ever and, about the Sopranos. You know, that's like a classic David Chase. Like, let me tell my audience to fuck off real fast. Yeah. Let me <laughs> tell these people right here who, who fund all this. Let me go. We... Just like one time. Fuck you. so many people have been waiting for months to watch the many saints of Newark because we're Sopranos fans like so many other people. Um, and I fully admit, Pat got me into it. And we kind of joked because we came full circle yesterday. We had a big Italian dinner cooked by Pat. His Italian food is incredible, by the way. Not for, Italian for at all. For a Polak, I will whip up an all right tomato sauce. But he made an Italian dinner. We sat down and watched The Many Saints of Newark because when we first moved to Seattle, I mean, we had been together, what, like a year? Barely? <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Like it was a very Year new. Half, yeah. Like so we moved out to Seattle and he's like, oh, this finale, The Sopranos is on. And I was like, OK, well, so what? I like I didn't watch the show, but he's like, no, no, no this is a big deal. So he made a big Italian meal. We yeah. sat down and watched it. And I said, well, that's I don't know anything about it. It's a pretty good show. I should watch the whole thing, which I did. But yeah, last night we came totally full circle. Which I feel like is good for you as a fan that you got to see the most controversial episode first, first yeah. and get it out of the way because the rest of us watched the entire fucking thing and then had to deal with the fact that that was the last episode. Yeah, no, for me it was the finale. I was intrigued and then I went back and watched the whole thing, which I've now seen three times. Which, by the way, I don't know, this is just easier to say now because the actual uh, actor who played the character is dead, but everyone is on the page that Tony dies. Yeah. Okay? Everybody. Even I believe the director or the co-writer Absolutely. of the Many Saints of Newark. It's like, oh yeah, Tony totally died in that final scene of the Yeah, and and listen, that's not even a spoiler. They leave that's, it open ended. Just it is what. And it if is. you haven't watched The Sopranos yet, why not? The Many Saints of Newark is the latest big release to go both simultaneously onto a app and a movie theater near you. It is the HBO film that is a prequel to The Sopranos, widely regarded as the greatest television show in the history of the format. I so, can agree with that. Um, off the bat, it is akin to Rogue One in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, so when you watch it, yes. 
first, you, I don't know. I, you, I guess you could watch The Sopranos first. You actually could watch this and then but, watch The but, Sopranos. But you don't need to. No, like, no, no. There's gonna this, be, it stands alone. Yeah, like there's going to be callbacks that yeah. you're going to miss, right? Yeah, and, if yeah, you haven't seen it. You probably should know some things. But, but you can watch it by itself. But like with Rogue One, outside of a few, you know, blatant like, okay, here's Darth Vader yeah. and here's, you know, Rogue One, we always said, as a Star Wars fan. By itself. Stood on its yeah. own. As a standalone film. Well, and also don't, you know, don't go into this movie, which I think a lot of us had to kind of come to terms with. It is not all about Tony Soprano. No. In fact, he is very like, little about Tony. He had very little about Tony. He's a supporting character played by James Gandolfini's son who looks and, and acts just like him. Michael I mean, he, Gandolfini. So, yeah. um, he's, and he's amazing in it, but yeah, it is, is very, it is not about Tony Soprano. And you know, it's but that whole show is so family oriented. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. glad they finally explored a different sect of the family. So with it being so it's it's being billed as a Sopranos story, which I feel kind of gives David Chase, the creator, writer, all those things of the Sopranos, wiggle room to do other films or maybe yes. short stories or, you know, fill in little plugs. Maybe we'll find out what happened to the Russian. I mean, because there are little things in this movie um, where he answers questions from the Sopranos, but they aren't necessarily core to the movie. No. It's a fun time. It's really, it is, it is so great because you get to see all of your favorite characters back in their heyday when they were like just barely middle-aged, just kind of coming into all this stuff. And you get to see these actors pull off. I mean, gosh, Junior, Uncle June, Corey stole. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I knew he was going to be good, but he was June. He was Uncle June. Corey Stahl from House of Cards plays uh, Corrado Jr. Soprano, who was played to just an exquisite T in the original TV run. So to kind of see that iconic character 30 years before now or 40 years before. Because I think that's what I, I mean, I wondered that like, when I watched The Sopranos. Like? Yeah, like, look, everybody's like, you know, half of them are old men. What were they like when they were middle-aged? So here's the gist of The Many Saints of Newark. It is a film that is um, a two-hour-long story of what was happening in the world of the Sopranos crime family. In the late 60s, early 70s. That's it. That's I it, mean, yeah. It's, it's a turn back the clock and, okay, little Tony Soprano is just a child, so obviously he's not in charge of things. In fact, he's actually pretty on the outs like if you think you're going to see a a, a Tony you're not getting see, groomed, yeah, you're not going to see the turn where Tony says, "I'm going to be a mob guy." Yeah, like, like he, that doesn't happen. He actually quite a few times throughout the movie says, "I don't want that life." Yeah, so you don't see that turn. But so it's it's a chance for people who are fans of the show to, like you said, see some of these characters back in time. It is a opportunity for them to visit some places that are talked about a lot in the original TV show. Well, not only that, but characters too. Characters. Like they talk a lot about, you know, they talk about Dickie Moltisanti. They talk about Johnny Soprano. You don't see them. You don't. And then in this movie, you see them. And it's very, it almost like closes a chapter. How did you feel? And it was weird because you didn't remember it, but I was reading all about it today. No, I didn't know Syl was wearing a hairpiece. <laughs> no, you're the last fucking person. <laughs> I was what like, what? That's you? not Syl's real hair. <laughs> you didn't figure out that halfway through the movie his hair changed? 
Um, no, it was interesting to watch them reenact scenes that were already done on the original show. Yes. Um, there's, they literally recreate a flashback from the original scene that would have been set during this movie time. And you see that kind of redone by different actors in a different light. And it's like they're allowed to explore those stories. Yeah. They're allowed to, to, to like say, oh, how come Tony uh, has all these financial um, real estate uh, development deals in Newark? Well, now 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 you you know know. why this Italian guy, during The Sopranos at least, seems to have a lot of investments in the ghetto. Yeah. Why are you in the African-American neighborhood making all this money? They explain it, yeah. And you find out through this movie, oh, all the way back to the 1960s where this all originates from. It was a fun time. It's a fun movie. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It did not feel like two hours. I could have watched another two. And, I di- and I'm with you. I hope this opens up the door to for David Chase to... Talk about yeah. some of the other story. Like, go for it. Show us the other stories. We are so here for it. I think that was the thing is for years, David Chase was always like, nope, He's I'm not. So done. He's like, I'm so done with the Sopranos. <laughs> I don't give a shit what people want. I just and finally, finally he caved and like yeah. the whole world just like bowed at his feet. Like, yes, David Chase, please more David Chase. Thank you. Well, and like, you know, the lore of, of, of David Chase is well-documented. Not that I need to tell you. And I almost feel like as a guy who grinded through television and Hollywood and writing, when he finally got one that he could do it his way and it worked. And he he really did it his way. You know, like he so was a, you know, I get how touchy he was and how pissy he was at the end. And when they, they, they made him, you know, extend seasons and do things he didn't want to do. I understand why he may have kind of, quote, taken his ball and gone, gone home yeah. for a while. And like I said, he can use this as a vehicle now to tell stories. Um, David Chase apparently says one of the main driving factors um, in him doing this movie was him wanting to do something involving the Newark race riots um, that happened in the 60s. I feel bad. Didn't even know what happened. Exactly. And Glad uh, they told the story. Again, you know that he's a dude from Newark yeah. and he wrote this story I mean, he wrote the original story because he wanted to see the relationship between him and his mom represented on TV because his mom was Libya Soprano. Yeah. So, you know, he used the TV show to tell that story. And then he used this movie to tell the story of the Newark race riots. And maybe it's like 10, 15 years later yeah. and he's getting a little itchy. Now he's... Good. Keep itching, man. That's we what are, I'm saying. A, I think it's That's pretty clear. The Sopranos fandom is oh, here, here for and like so, we so, are so thirsty. Like, <laughs> listen, there's enough. And I don't know if anyone who's like, I feel like if you're a mob fan... And that sounds terrible to say, but if you're a fan of that genre of movies and shit well, like that, it's just like being a fan. It's like, like the rest crime of us, movies. It's the rest know. of us with informative murder porn. Like, yeah. why? Why do we all watch Dateline and want to watch you know yeah. crime stories? Why not? Why not? Well, that's why the same reason people watch mob movies. But like, I feel like if you're in that world, you will have already had watched The Sopranos. If you're interested in watching this, but if you are somehow a, a, a person who's like, yeah, I enjoy a good mafia movie, I feel like you could watch yes. this. And enjoy it. And enjoy it because, again, there are blatant Easter eggs, blatant callbacks to the show for fans of The Sopranos to literally be able to turn to each other, much like AJ and I did last night, and go, oh, oh, that's that's the blah, 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 you know. But he doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete. I almost shit my pants. (laughs) 
but I feel like you could enjoy it. I mean, I saw a great comparison. Someone said it could have easily lived in the Sopranos TV show as two separate one-hour flashback episodes. Yes, because there are... I, they're not really it's, flashback episodes in The Sopranos, but there are some, like, dream sequences and stuff... That go back. That go back. So this could... You could absolutely insert this in the series in a couple of different places, and, and it would work. Um. All right, this is the only part where I'll say spoiler alert, okay? So, spoiler alert. Before you spoil it, by the way. Alessandro Nivola. I haven't seen him since Face Off. Amazing. Good to see him around. Huh? Good to see him in something else. Yeah, he's great. Um, spoiler alert. How interesting is it that Junior's relationship with women has driven his vengeance on men? What do you mean? In the first season, um, after they find out that he goes down on his... On his gamar, remember he has the old gamar, and uh, whenever they go down to Florida, he uh, goes downtown. Oh yeah, that's right. And that, of course, in this very old school mafia you thing, you don't is, talk about that. Well, no, you don't do you it. Don't do I'm it. Taught you, a yeah. man does not no, do does that. Does not do that to a woman. I mean, yeah. in this movie, there's plenty of classic Sopranos domestic violence against women. A lot of it rooted so deep in misogyny, like yeah. you know, oh, have sex with me now. No, all right, smack uh, here, you around yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So, but yeah, you remember in the TV show that episode where he literally smashes that pie in yeah. her face. Cuts off whatever it was and ends up enacting, I don't want to ruin that show for you, a piece of violence on another mobster. In this movie, same thing. They show this scene with him and a woman. He can't have sex with her because of an injury he sustained to his back. Yeah. That's insecurity with women. What does he do? He turns around. He takes that and enacts another violent Violent, act on a man. His insecurity with women has driven that man's violence in his entire life. It's interesting because you he he's one of the only and and I mean I say this loosely because who knows we could see another movie where he's a totally different person. Yeah. We won't, but um he never really he doesn't in he doesn't enact violence on women like so many of the other characters do. Like he he's not vi- physically violent towards women like some of the other male yeah, characters. Yeah, I'd say but the he, most he, violent you ever saw was was the pie smash. But yeah, what he it. does then is, like you said, he takes his anger out on other men, other yeah. made men in the mob. That's just what he does. But I mean, so many other guys very beat much the a, shit out of their women on that show, and it's terrible. But he doesn't do it. It is it is very much like his insecurity yeah. as a man, whether it came from him not being able to have sex with the one girl because his back was fucked up and so now i'm gonna go get the guy who i think you know wronged me um or it's you know the other woman how dare you tell your girlfriends what i do in our bedroom and how you know like it's rooted in this insecurity of like manlyhood and sexuality but he's also older than the other characters at least in the soprano show he's always old i would love to see one shot of junior when was he 10 years old with like the toilet bowl (laughs) and the giant rim glass I feel like every any depiction we've ever seen of him, whether it's deathbed or like as a man in his 
30s, I assume, in this show. He looks the same. He definitely has um, <laughs> a, like an old school, and they all do. It's all very old school misogyny. It's, it's, it's yeah, classic like old school 50s. Like you know. even in the even in the Many Saints in Newark, there's a big storyline about I don't want you to work. Well, she wants to work. She wants to open a beauty parlor. Oh, nope, yeah. my woman, we don't work. We we take care of you. But like Junior's always been older, and he always seems to have like an even more old school attitude towards women. Yeah. And I think that's part of the and issue. He's, and he's also one of the ones that never married. Yeah. No kids. Like I feel like well, he's now. he's just a miserable SOB. But I mean, just for me, it's just interesting watching it now from the movie standpoint and the TV standpoint of yeah. how his relationships with women and his uh, perceived insecurity from them has, has driven some of his most heinous acts. Well, huge um, props to, uh, I thought Alessandro Nivola was amazing. I thought Michael Gandolfini was incredible. Incredible. I mean, he, he has the, he has the walk. He has the, the lisp. I mean, he's got everything. So that is, you know, James Gandolfini's son who, if correct me if I'm wrong, he doesn't have any real acting experience. Um, no, I think this is one of his first big things because I've been following him in, on Instagram okay. for a while, but I think this is his first real big thing. So he literally is. This is his first time up at bat. He's yeah. playing his father's signature character, who's one of the most legendary characters that's ever been on the small screen, and he does a really good job. They use he proves himself. That's for sure. They use him like I kind of. He's, he's 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 like an Easter egg. Like when he comes on screen, yeah. it's you're not going to see him a whole lot. But it's when you not do, the story of him, no, but, it's not about Tony Soprano. But but it's it's he he plays him with with you know just you know enough of what you think tone might have been like exactly. And it, you know he looks like him because obviously the the DNA Jeez, yeah because he's James Gandolfini's son in a relation. But he does a great job i mean really you know my only bitch about the movie go ahead i'd love to hear a bitch about it because uh the the bitches come too well yeah and you know a lot of hardcore fans i feel like they they almost feel like they have to knock on it just because mm-hmm. um my only bitch this is the first movie i have ever seen where the hd cameras were almost distracting yeah. it's because ray liotta's skin is so bad oh, well because he gets you know he comes on screen <laughs> And I'm like, holy shit, that's a lot of age makeup. Like, I don't know what he looks like right now, but I, I'm like, I'm assuming they age makeup him or whatever. I don't know. He was looking like shit in those Shantix commercials. That's true. Um, but I'm like, you can see every big ass yeah. pore on his face. And then as the movie progressed, I realized it wasn't just him. At one point, you see it on Dickie Moltisanti. Mm-hmm. And when I realized it was too much was when you saw it on Michael Gandolfini. I'm like, that kid is like 20 years old. And you can see every pore on his face underneath the caked on movie makeup. That's the first time I've ever seen that in a film where it's distracting. I was like, magic of HD. Oh my dude. (laughs) Like, I'm glad things are real. I like that, but like, it almost looked bad. Like it was, it was distracting for the characters. Like, I'm like, is that their real skin? That's terrible. So, uh, the many saints of Newark is streaming for the next 30 days on HBO max. Get it, get it. 
you and need it, you need it, it is it. in theaters as well. And then I believe after that, of course, it'll come off for a while. They'll put it up. On it'll the, come back, know, yeah. And they'll pop it back up and it'll be around for a while. And in the meantime, if you're like myself and AJ, the one thing the Many Saints of Newark will most likely guarantee you want to do because it is narrated uh, by... Oh, I love it! ...by your favorite, Christopher... Christopher um, Michael Imperioli does a, a short but sweet voiceover throughout the film. It will make you want to go ahead and... And binge the Sopranos. Click right past the guard. <laughs> right, let's go into the series page. Just go to... Oh, you want season one? Season one? All right, fuck it. We're going season one. That's what it's definitely going to want you to do. The Pat and AJ Podcast Network is available on all your favorite audio platforms. Subscribe today. Follow Pat and AJ on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook now at Pat and AJ. PatandAJ.com. Support the Pat and AJ Podcast Network today by donating on Venmo or Cash App. Powered by the people. The Pat and AJ Podcast.